0: Hey everyone, what's going on? And welcome to another episode of the Overcoming Mental Health Challenges podcast. I am your host, Lily Riley, and today we have another amazing guest for you all. In today's episode, we interviewed Emily Todd, a licensed social worker from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Emily shares her story about her anxiety from her early childhood through her young adulthood and how she has gotten to the incredible place she is now. Her ability to share her experience on how anxiety has affected her through all stages of life makes this such a relatable episode to tune into. And honestly, she gets as real as you can. So with that, guys, let's get to the show.
1: All right. So my name's Emily. I'm 25 years old. Uh, I am a social worker. Uh, I work with kids uh, like young kids right now on the spectrum. Um, I came from... Delco, or I'll just say Delaware County uh, in Pennsylvania, for those of you who don't know like the Delco term. Um, and like Lily said, I went to Westchester after I finished high school, and now I live in Philadelphia. I've had multiple internships where I've worked in elementary schools, uh, and and those could be kids that were on the spectrum or just like any kind of kid who had any kind of needs, Um And I used to work at a summer camp, too. So I've basically been surrounded by kids all the time. (laughs) And it's very funny because all the way up until my senior year of high school, for some reason, I really, really, like, hated kids. And I was super against working with them. Like, I never wanted to be around them. Um, And then I had a class in high school where you actually worked, like, in a preschool. So I got to work one-on-one with a... With little three-year-olds during the day. And that kind of changed my whole mindset. And I was like, oh, like not only do I really love this, but I'm like pretty good at this too.
0: It's really cool, especially in social work to have that because there are so many options and so many groups of people to work with that when you find that one group, you're like, okay, this is where I'm meant to be because a social worker has so many different places, which is something we learned quite a bit in our undergrad. But um, I would love to hear what little Emily was like, because like we've said so many times with the guests that we brought onto the show, that we don't just, we're not just born living like this. Like, you know, something normally happens to us that creates this environment, that creates this mindset, that creates these issues in our lives. So I would love to hear what you were like when you were younger.
1: So I was an only child up until middle school. My parents got remarried and then I had someone like of a older stepbrother but yeah I was an only child for pretty much the entire time you would actually consider me like a kid um and I was I was like I was mostly happy as a kid but definitely things happened starting in third grade um that kind of started that changed my personality a little bit and made me a little more um shy and uh, like sad sometimes and cranky, like, and I had always been a little, uh, antisocial, I think, because being an only child, like I wasn't used to hanging out with a bunch of other kids or having to, um, you know, like interact with people who aren't my parents, especially. So like, yeah, it started, you know, it started out probably in third grade, my, this was like the, my parents and I really call this like the, uh, the shit show year because all in one year of like elementary school, my, uh, my parents got divorced and we were going through that whole process and they were kind of like fighting over custody of me a little bit. And, uh, my like grandfather died very suddenly. And it was discovered that I had hearing loss and I had to start wearing a hearing aid at school and all this stuff. So that was like, I think a turning point in my mental health as a child, where things weren't so straightforward and, and easy. Like it got very rocky. Um, and like you said, like definitely shapes me now.
0: Absolutely, and, and you know, if we're thinking about this from a clinical perspective and from how our brains are forming when we're children, you know, we learn about the different stages of life. And um, that's a huge thing that we learn in our undergrad. Um, there are stages of development. And, you know, when you're nine years old, think about all the changes that you're going through psychologically and then to have all of that on top of that, to have your parents splitting up, having, having to just, you know, understand that my parents are not going to be together anymore and being kind of stuck in the middle, you know, and, and then dealing with all of that, that emotional stuff on top of that. I mean, can you walk us through how you felt during that time?
1: Um, it's like, it's a very cliche thing to say, but it really felt like, I don't know, like when I like look back at it, like all of my memories are very like, like literally looks like the lighting is dark. Like only like half the lights were on in like buildings I was in at the time, like everything just seemed very dark and very hard. And I just remember um, constantly feeling tired, constantly feeling like sad or angry, like I remember being at school all the time, like being on the verge of tears constantly, like, um, yeah, it and, and I also think that it was hard because being an only child, I was going through it by myself. So like where if there are people who have siblings and then their parents get divorced, you can at least maybe like talk about it together and go through things together and and process things because only you will understand your parents as well as you do. Um, so even if I did have like friends to talk to, which I did, um, you know, third graders aren't exactly, uh, the best listeners or the best, uh, (laughs) like people to go to about that stuff. Like they can just be like, Oh man, that's really sad. Like, let's go jump rope or something. So, um, yeah, it was just constant. Like, I just constantly felt like I was fighting and struggling to do things normally every day.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and think about the age you're in. again, you're, you're doing this alone. You're learning. Yeah. I mean, you're nine, <laughs> you have barely dipped your toes into life. You're learning how to interact with your environment. You're learning how to build relationships with people and you're watching a big relationship in your life. Probably the biggest one that you're exposed to at that point in your life, crumbling. <laughs> and to a kid, it, it probably seems like that. And I, I I love the point that you made, like that you. Well, I didn't love it, but I think it's a great point to make that you said you were going through this alone, and compared to people who have had siblings, it's very different. And you know, I can totally attest to that. My, you know, my parents, I, my parents were probably getting divorced at the same age. We were probably going through this at the same time. <laughs> now that I think about it, and it, it, it's something that my siblings and I, you know, we got closer and. I had people supporting me, so I can't imagine how you felt doing that alone, and f- and probably feeling like you were the only one experiencing that. Because, I mean, I feel like it's probably pretty rare that another kid would be sharing the same story with you, unless they were like really close to you. And I feel like that's not something nine-year-olds talk about.
1: Yeah, it's it's de- it's definitely not like. Um, and that's what I kind of meant, like you know, if I would tell a couple of friends back then and they would just be like oh oh no and they you know the closest thing they could come to to empathy would just to be like oh like well like my uncle got divorced or something last year and you know just kind of leave it at that and that's not to say that like my friends in third grade were bad friends they were just third graders
0: and and the capacity for a nine-year-old to have that empathy would be crazy that would just be a child so wise beyond their years you know and how did going through that? Did that affect any relationships growing up? Like, did you did you notice anything within your relationships with your friends, with you know maybe like people you had crushes on, um, other family members? Like, what did that look like?
1: Yeah, I think just my relationships with absolutely everybody changed, and just the way that I go about. Um, like opening up to people and like letting people in my life because you know as common as divorce is we still can't take away from the fact that it is it impacts you so much no matter what age you're at if your parents get divorced because here you have the two people who made you and you grow up thinking oh like they're gonna love each other forever like we're gonna be a family forever and then to find out that love is not enough um, is really shocking and the fact that your life can change so quickly and people's feelings can change so quickly um, so definitely my relationships with friends and with family members like I think ever since then I've been more cautious when it comes to like actually letting myself be really, really close to people um, because I think oh well if their marriage didn't last like who's to say that my friendship would last or like this family member is going to be in my life forever. Like it's, it's very jarring.
0: That's what you knew growing up, you know? Uh, I mean, it's kind of crazy when you, when you hear people coming out of these situations and they're not crazy. I feel like that's the wrong word to use, but I feel like it's, it's, it's just an incredible story to hear when someone walks out of things like this and they're, you know, fully aware of their relationships and how they interact with people. I feel like that takes, a lot of time and a lot of growth and development as a person that, you know, it it takes time to get there. And, and I know you now, obviously, and I know, I feel like you've gotten there. I would, I would like to know like how this affected your mental health growing up. Like tell us that story.
1: So I think, um, and you know, like the, the metaphor I used with, uh, Oh, like it was a dark shadow or like a cloud over, uh, that year, Um, like I do, and I have never formally been diagnosed by everybody. So like everything that I say when I use words like depression or anxiety, like I'm just speculating, um, and like being empowered to label myself and and say how I was feeling or like what I think I had. So when I say that, I feel like, um, I probably had some depression in third grade or like a couple years after that's not me saying like formally diagnosing myself, but, um, I mean, that, that's definitely what it felt like it was, you know, because as I said, it was just, I felt like I was struggling um, so much. And then I, the arrangement my parents came up with was I would spend like every other week with each parent. So I was constantly switching houses back and forth, um, which they don't live far away. So I was a lot luckier than most people that my parents had like a someone of a friendship afterwards and that they were civil and that I was able to see both and that it wasn't a huge transition every week to go back um but it was very I'm trying to think of the right word it was it was just very different from everybody else that I grew up with and I think with my mental health there were a lot of things that I felt when I was younger that I was never able to put a label on until I was an adult um and I think some of that stuff like carried over like some of the like anxiety that I would have around interacting with people as a kid being an only child like only got worse when I was being when I ended up feeling depressed about like the divorce and I think that all carried through into it
0: yeah and, and you said something earlier you said it looked different for with other people what did you mean by that
1: So I think, and again, it's, like, so hard to try and rewind and remember how I interacted with people in first grade uh, versus third grade. (laughs) So, and I can also, like, so much, because I've, like, talked to my mom about this when I was a kid, so I can base it off of her memory as well. Um, And what she has told me is that I was a lot sadder all the time, and because of that, I self-isolated a lot more, which as an introverted, like only child, that's something that I did all the time anyway. So after the quote unquote, like shit year happened, um, I think all of those things just escalated more. Like I self isolated even more. Like I was a lot quieter. I just seemed a lot sadder, like sluggish. Um, And that would carry over into my relationships with my family members and with my friends because it just didn't seem like I had the energy
0: to be with them and did that kind of cascade over your life in the following years like did that did you see a trend (laughs)
1: so and I mean like you know so much of this but obviously your audience doesn't that uh especially in my adult life recently I have had a lot of changes in my social life as a lot of people do uh in your 20s I just don't think we always talk about them all the time um and becoming more aware of when I'm having like that mindset that I had when I was in third grade that oh like relationships can fall apart so easily Um, and especially when I'm feeling down it's a lot easier to fall into that mindset uh it's just now like as i've grown up as an adult i'm more aware of it but when i was in like middle school high school early college i had like i had no idea i couldn't label those feelings
0: and so like how did that how did that go into like your also your friendships like do you want to give us more detail of what that looked like so if you know someone's experiencing this like if any any detail about that that you want to share? Yeah.
1: Oh, oh my gosh, tons. Um, so in all throughout high school and through, like, pretty much all of college as well, um, a lot of the insecurities, I think, that carried over from my childhood and from, like, my instability with, with friends and family um, would always put me in a negative mindset where I am always worrying and always assuming that people – uh don't want to be like my friend anymore or like they're gonna leave soon um and I just remember like that was something that I was constantly worried about and it wasn't just oh when I was having a down day it was like every day or every time I hung out with someone like where you would uh when I would like go to bed at night at the end of the day and you would I would like replay all of my conversations with people I had that day and like, Oh man, like I messed up here. I messed up here. Um, they probably didn't like what I said here. Um, and I didn't even realize it until the end of my time at Westchester, that that was also putting a lot of pressure on the people who I was friends with. Um, and that was a huge thing to come to terms with because I think I always felt kind of powerless in my relationships and my friendships with people and I didn't realize like how much how much power I actually did have to be a good friend and to keep my relationships and and know that things were going to like more often than not like turn out okay if
0: that makes sense (laughs) right absolutely absolutely and and obviously you know you're 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 in a better place maybe you aren't completely you know, quote unquote recovered from this. I mean, I, I mean, I think it's more, we learn how to exist with these things, right? Because you're always going to be presented with, with new situations in life. And I mean, I've said this to you, like life always throws things at you and we learn to adapt and to, um, just manage our emotions better entering different relationships and, and situations and environments. And, you know, this transcends over all relationships, not just friends, but family, but you know, um, like intimate, intimate relationships or even like work relationships. And, you know, there's a point I think where, when you experience these things, I, I fully believe in validating your own emotions and experiencing what you have to ex- experience. But then there's a time when you have to just, it, you have to accept it and you have to m- not move on with your life is a really um, horrible way to say it, but you have to learn how to just carry on through life with these things. I feel like is a better way to say it. And so how did you learn or when did you get to that point when you were like, look, this is affecting my relationships. It's affecting my own mental health. It's affecting the way that I carry myself throughout the day. Like, how did you get to the point that you're at now? Like what, what, what did you do?
1: So, um, I finally had, I'll just like phrase it this way, like a whole, uh, friendship breakdown. My, it was either my last year of college or my second to last year of college where, um, all of my close friends at the time who I had known for years finally, um, said to me, they were just like, you know, like you are kind of too much to handle right now. And we need some space. And we just like, we feel like we have to be your therapist and that's too much for us. Um, So I went a couple months without talking to almost any of my friends that I had had for four years. Um, And this is not like to, to bash any of them or to go on a whole negative rant about that situation. But it was a turning point for me because that's that it was kind of, it was like a slap in the face to finally realize, like you said, like, oh, this is really affecting me. This is affecting my friendships. Like I need to change and I need to do something differently because otherwise I'm going to keep going down the same path with everybody in my life. And that is not fair to anyone. Um, so then I kind of flipped a switch and I started thinking about how not only I could be a better friend to anyone who came back into my life, but also how I could just be, treat myself better. Um, Cause that's something I had never really considered until I was almost 24 years old was, Oh, like, how can I love myself better? Like, how can I take care of myself that? So that I can be there for other people. That was like the first time I had ever even thought about, Doing that um, Yeah so that was like a huge Turning point for me
0: Yeah and, and you Like I want to ask you about this because you said um, you, you learned That you had to love yourself more And that you had to treat yourself better and I know this might be a bold statement, but I fully believe this. I think everybody listening to this can find ways to love themselves better, can find ways to accept themselves more, to treat themselves better, to talk to themselves better. And I mean, I mean, how did you speak to yourself before? How did you, how did you approach your own relationship with yourself? And then what was it that you did that that you changed your relationship with yourself, that you bettered it, that you strengthened it, that you learned how to love yourself more. Like what, what did you do to get there? And how does that differ from how you were before?
1: It wasn't, it was all internal for me really. Um, and like you said, like the way that I spoke to myself was probably where I started off. Um, because initially, especially when like the initial breakdown happened where a lot of my friends needed space, um, initially I was thinking to myself all of the negative thoughts like, oh, like, well, you never deserved them in the first place. Like you don't deserve to like get them back. Like, oh, you're just going to be alone forever. And then after the initial shock, uh, I started flipping those statements and saying the complete opposite to myself, just repeating it over and over in my head. Like, no, like you do deserve to be loved. You do deserve good friends. Um, Like here are all the things that I love about myself. And it can sound very hokey. Like it felt very hokey to me at first, but kind of the more and more I repeated things like that in my head, it made me feel better. And then I started doing things um, in all of my free time, like making sure I was doing well in school, making sure I was eating right, like going out and exercising more, like doing little things that made me happy. And it sounds very simple, um, but when you are someone who, and I know I'm not alone in this, when you're a person who is, co- who is almost constantly in a negative state of mind where you don't validate your own emotions, where you kind of gaslight yourself into thinking that, um, you know, like you're not worthy of feeling what you're feeling. Like it is a really big deal when you start to flip the switch and flip all of those statements into something positive. And then when it, that internally actually comes out in your real life where you just start physically feeling better too because you're taking care of yourself that was that's a really big deal
0: <laughs> well yeah i mean think about all of the time and energy that you put out when you when you are in that mindset when you're that that negative mindset and you your mind is filled with anxiety it's filled it filled with all of these thoughts that you create yourself right um And that's a, that's a whole nother discussion, but you know, you live in this environment, in this time, in this body with these thoughts and these feelings where you are constantly living in your own anxieties and think about all the energy and time that you put into that, right? So that has to come from somewhere else in your life that either comes from your relationships, from your interests, from your work, from school, from taking care of yourself that comes from so many different parts of our life. So it sounds like what you were saying is you basically took back your time and you started taking back your life.
1: Oh yeah. 100%. And yeah, I think like for as long as I could remember, I didn't think that way about myself Uh, because again, like I think my mental health started to like, I started to have issues with it all the way back in third grade. So from third grade until the end of college, I would be in that mindset all the time. And it wasn't until I started like purposefully changing it where I realized that I was even physically, like I was less tired every day. I had more physical and mental and emotional energy to do things in life that I needed. And that's not to say that, um, you know, if you are still someone who gets stuck in those negative mindsets every once in a while that like, it's your fault, like, oh, just flip the switch, it's easy, because it's not. But you kind of do have to tell yourself a little bit that it's, it is easier um, to love yourself than to hate yourself. And by that, I think I just mean that it doesn't take as much energy out of you to be kind to yourself and give yourself grace and um, forgiveness and And that's not easy by any means, but it, for me personally, it felt so much better when I started doing that.
0: Right. And like, and how much power, you know, do you take back when, when you choose to live your life that way? Because at a certain point it becomes a choice, right? Like, like I said before, you experience these things and I think it's so important to validate your own emotions and experience what has to be experienced to process what has to be processed and to feel it has to be felt. But at a certain point, it starts come you can fall victim to those things easily. I think, I think we all do it. You know, I've I've even been there for years, you know. But at a certain point, you you either hit quote unquote rock bottom, you get into this place where you're like, Okay, my life sucks. Like I'm I'm struggling in all different aspects of my life. Like something has to change, you know? And I think that's when we start choosing to be happy again. We start choosing to think differently. We start choosing our thoughts. We start choosing our relationships, choosing where our energy goes. And there is so much power in that. And you completely attested to that. Like that's literally what you did, you know? And I would love to know the place that you are in now, what is, what is one thing or some things that you would want to say to little Emily that was going through that? Like, what is something that you needed to hear in those shadow times or those half lit room times that you were saying? And, and those really dark times, like what is what you needed to hear to get through that?
1: I would, I would want to say to Emily that you, I would, well, I would acknowledge that like, Hey, like you're going through it because I don't think any adult in my life um, really fully said that like, Hey, like, you know, you're going through something right now. So not doing as well in school, like not having a lot of energy right now, that's okay. <laughs> and you're going to make it out of this. Um, and I, I feel like that's so cliche, but when you look back at your past self, I feel like that's the one thing people always want to say is that you're going to get out of this. Because especially at a young age, everything feels like... You know, like your very small world feels like the entire universe. So you will feel like this situation you're in is never going to end, but it does. And that you are so incredible for being able to pull out of it because it's tough.
0: You say that's cliche, but. How many people are in situations where they haven't felt heard, where they haven't felt acknowledged? The reason people don't share things is because they think they're alone. And if they share it, they're going to sound insane or they're going to sound upset. Like, of course you needed to be heard at that age. Of course you needed to be understood. You, you know, you were nine, you were nine years old and no one else, you felt, you probably felt like no one else is experiencing this, but you, I, I mean, everything you said was so powerful. That is not cliche at all. That's, I mean... Just kind of like a matter of fact, you know. Unfortunately, when when people are going through that stuff, it's what people need to hear. Like people need, like as humans, we have to connect and we have to feel like people understand us, you know. And I I think what you said is just so powerful, and I think it's just so true, and and goes across so many different people's stories. And I would also love to know somebody listening to this. I know relate to some part of your story, whether big or small, whatever magnitude that's at. What is something you would say to that person that's that's struggling right now that has been through something that you've been through? What would you tell them right now?
1: Um, like well, one of the things that kind of and this like just blew my brain apart uh, when I really really thought about it is that uh, happiness is a choice. It's not like I think sometimes, and this is like for me personally, so I wonder if people d- do feel the same way that you think that happiness is supposed to come to you. Like good friendships are supposed to come to you. Like that dream job is supposed to come to you. Um, at least that was my mindset anyway. And no, that's not it at all. It is so empowering when you realize that uh, being happy is ultimately up to you because your your brain is so, so insanely powerful. You can choose to make a situation how you want it to be. Like you can choose to think more about the good things in life every day. You can choose to work hard. You can, you know, choose to do all those things. And that, that is not to say at all that it's easy. Like I don't want the phrase happiness is a choice to sound like I am blaming anybody who is not happy because that's not it at all. I'm like, for me personally, it was so empowering to think of it that way because I was able to, um, you know, phrase things in my head and then do things like out in life that made me feel better. It like I it made me feel like super superwoman, superwoman when I could finally phrase things that way.
0: Like I said before, you know, it you took so much power back in your life and. And I think it's important what you said at a certain point, and this is true, it is a choice. It's completely a choice. And I absolutely love what you said. And I'm going to use that in the future. You can't just wait for happiness to come to you. You know, you have to become what you want in your life because that, that is the law of attraction. It is completely a real thing. And if you want happiness in your life, you have to emulate happiness. You have to give off happiness. And that's, again, totally acknowledging that people go through hard, hard stuff in their life. It's not an easy thing. If it was super easy, it probably wouldn't be advice. You know, people wouldn't have to say, oh, happiness is, is a choice. People would be like, oh, I can just choose to be happy. And acknowledging that it's like a super hard thing and that this is a long process. Emily, how long has it taken you to get to where you are?
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, <laughs> I would. I mean, it's taken me years and I'm still working on it. There are still days or times where I get, I fall back into that very familiar place where I can be negative and think negatively about things in my life or like other people or, or stuff like that. Um, you know, it, it's not easy. It takes so long. I was not able to label my anxiety, to label my depression as a kid until I was 24, almost 25 years old. Um, So it took a while to get here. <laughs> and that's not to sound, I don't want, I don't want like the whole thing to sound very daunting. But I mean, it, it kind of is like life is big and daunting and scary sometimes or all the time. But, um, yeah, it's not easy, but that's kind of the great thing about still growing. Even when you are in your twenties, like you still have so much life to live. Or if you're listening to this and you're younger, you're older than me. Um, there is always so much more space to grow and to change and like Im- improve yourself. So
0: totally and and I think you saying that that it does take time. It's a journey. I know it's again, it's a cliche thing, but it is a journey. Like and, and I think that that almost gives hope because even if you are ha- doing so well and you're having weeks or even months that you're feeling good and then you go through a bad part of your life and you're struggling again. That's part of it. Not to be down on yourself and not be like, why? Like you were so happy before. Why can't you be happy again? I think it's important to know it takes a long time. So those things will happen and you've been through it before and you can do it again. And getting through it just makes you stronger. And like you said, Em, like you just keep growing. You keep going through life. You keep growing and growing is not a beautiful thing. It's not a pretty thing. <laughs> and it's part of, what you had to do to get to where you are and where you want to keep going. So thank you for sharing that beautiful piece of advice, your beautiful thoughts on that. Is there anything else that you'd like to say about anything where you are about?
1: Um, Yeah, because I was just thinking about this when you were talking. Um, You know, with growing and changing, also remembering that healing is not linear. You know, you are not just going to constantly get better and better and better. Like you're going to have setbacks and that's that's just part of it you know like you said like growing isn't it's messy it's it's not cute like healing and growing is is not cute like in the movies it's not always fun like it's a messy hard process but yeah just you feel so much better knowing that you put all of the work in yourself like I guarantee everyone who's listening you are more than resilient enough to grow and pull yourself out of whatever it is you're in.
0: I completely agree with that. And I think that's that's an awesome thing to end on. And I just want to say thank you, Emily, so much for coming on here and sharing your story with everyone. And I hope that this resonates with someone I know will. And if it does resonate with someone, you know, we receive a lot of messages on here to the speaker and to me and Evan in the past about just how the stories have really impacted the listeners' lives. And if this is something that has impacted you or has touched you in some type of way, it would be so awesome if you could let the speaker know, let me know. I could pass on the message. It's just it's just a really, really, really great gift. So I'll put Emily's Instagram handle on the bottom. So if you want, you can reach out. I can't wait for our next guest. We have some really awesome people lined up. And thank you guys for tuning into another episode of the Overcoming Mental Health Challenges.